0: Center ice for all
1: things
2: Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Back on another episode of 5 on 3 WFUV's NHL podcast. The first episode of the offseason official, although we've had plenty of offseason to discuss. Mike Messina and Tyler Mooney here with me on Tuesday afternoon, June 13th. And we have a little bit of breaking news just about an hour or so ago, the Minnesota wild announced they will be buying out Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, uh, both their alternate captains on matching 13 year contracts on the 4th of July, 2012. And with uh, about four years to go on those contracts, uh, they are no longer members of the Minnesota wild, both players well into their thirties, clearing out a ton of cap space for this upcoming season. But the cap gets a little bit here as you go along on those contracts. But, Tyler, I'll start with you. This clears up Minnesota's defensive situation for the expansion draft um, and gives those guys a chance to chase a cup. Otherwise, this is kind of a non-move.
0: Yeah, I think this does a lot of things. I mean, one, you named it with the expansion draft. They're now, I believe, going to be able to protect Matt Dumbo, which is something that they wanted to do. Um, this gives them a ton of more cap this year, at least, There was, you know, rumors that Kabrazov turned down an eight by nine contract. I don't know if that was true, but if he did, I mean, that's pretty incredible that he would turn that down. So they were obviously going to need more money if they wanted him to, if they wanted to sign him and Fiala, I think they now have close to 25, 26 million in, in cap space this off season. So they should definitely be able to get those two guys signed and I think this also vaults them right back into the Jack Eichel conversation. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, how they really didn't have the space if they wanted to sign Kabrazov and Fiala. But now they do have this space, at least for this season, where if they wanted to go make a Jack Eichel move, there is now potentially an alleyway for that to happen. And then as far as, you know, Parise and Suter, obviously two amazing players for the wild, probably wild Hall of Famers. And I think, you know, obviously not at the peak of their careers that they once were. They're not the same players, but I think a lot of teams will, will want these guys. They're, they'd be good middle six, solid depth defenseman players, and they have a ton of experience, which is something that teams are always looking for.
1: The Wilds are going to be paying for the majority, like not majority, I'll say all of their salary for the next some odd years also. They're paying each $6.7 million over the next eight years and then year after that 2.3, 6.3 and 7.3 million hits for the next four years after that. So that's crazy that, that they just bought out both contracts at the same time. I was thinking maybe buy out Parise's contract and let Suter ride for another year or vice versa. But Hey, the, the Wild clearly have something in plan that, that they want to do. They have two players, like you just said, Tyler to have it or resign. So they'll have plenty of plenty of leeway to do that. And, they're not done playing hockey. They're going to be able to go to a team and hopefully perform like like the two players that they are known to be. And I'm excited to see where they're going to go. And it, it was a long time ago that that these contracts were signed on the same day. And it, it just it, it's it's so weird to me that they, they buy them both out at the same day, same time. And it's just like back to square
2: one now. That was a that was a sticker shock kind of price when that came out nine years ago. I don't I I, oddly enough remember where I was when I saw when I saw that news. Um and I was like wow that's that's a lot of money in a lot of years and I guess we were right and I was only 12. Um but you mentioned the Jack Eichel conversation Tyler I still don't think it puts him back in it because yes they saved 10.3 million dollars this year which is just about what Jack Eichel makes it makes 10 even but next year it only saves them 2.3 million dollars then in 23 and 24, it only, or 24 and 25, excuse me, it saves them only $300,000. And then they're paying $1.7 million more than they would for 25, 26 through 28, 29. It frees up cap space this year, but it does not free up cap space for long enough to warrant a Jack Eichel trade unless you are dead set on losing Kirill off And in that case, why are you trading for Jack Eichel? recoup as many assets as you can and rebuild with Marco Rossi. I, I don't necessarily still don't see a way they can fit Eichel just because of the future cap implications, but I'm, it just, it doesn't make a ton of sense because it doesn't do enough to get Eichel. It doesn't do enough to like pay capers that much more than what he allegedly turned down. And at the end of the day, like maybe I'd rather just have, Zach Parise on my team for the next four years, then have to pay $2 million in 2028, 2029 when nobody here is going to be on the team anymore. And I don't know. I I understand why they did it, but it doesn't provide enough of a cap help in the future to make it worth it in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that. I feel like if there was, I mean, they just did add so much cap space in this one move today. I feel like they have to have something planned. Maybe it's not Eichel, but it, I think there has to be something else coming because even if they were, you know, if they were to make an Eichel trade, they'd have to lose like a Dumba or some someone a high caliber defenseman like that. Who by buying out Suter, you just gave yourself the ability to not protect them in the expansion draft. So these moves are kind of all playing upon each other. I, I understand that. I feel like. If you have the chance to fit Jack Eichel on your books this year, which I think they could, they would find a way to make it work in the following years. But it's going to be close. I mean, they're not really – they still have Zuccarello for three more years. at $6 million. We talked about the Eric Sinek contract last episode. I mean, that was a pretty hefty price, five five 5.2. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Wild do, whether it's a Jack Eichel move or not. I don't know. But I think there's definitely going to be – a lot of moving parts coming out of Minnesota this summer.
1: Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's going to be going to be an Eichel trade. Um, They just got too much going on right now. And in order to get an Eichel, they'll have to give players away that want to play with Eichel and Eichel needs in order to succeed. So um, I I don't think it's going to be Eichel, but they got something coming. They're not doing this for for their own good or for nothing that they want to get players to win and, and win soon. So they're going to get somebody and somebody important
2: to the team. And there's still some contracts that are not fantastic on this team. Like Jared Spurgeon's a good player; he's their captain. I understand wanting to pay him, but he's getting paid seven point five million into his deep thirties, just like the two guys they just bought out. And Jonas Brodin, again, a fine player, getting paid six million dollars into his deep thirties. Uh, the cap sheet for this team is head scratcher. And yeah, Jack Eichel would make it look a lot better, and a nice long Caprice off extension will make it look a lot better but it'll be very interesting and and I think that if Eichel goes right if Eichel goes to Minnesota as you mentioned Tyler Dumba's going to have to go and Marco Rossi might have to go too their number one pick from last year and are you willing to give up those those two important players for a guy who we're not terribly confident you can afford at this moment if you're going to try to resign Kaprizov so It will be very, very interesting to see what they do. But as for the Parise and Suter route, they're both going to go to contenders. I don't think that that's really a doubt. There's no reason for them not to unless they're going to retire. But I think there is still a little bit of gas left in the tank for both of them. Um, Parise to the Islanders is the easy connection between Lula Marillo, Andy Green, Kyle Palmieri. If those guys end up coming back, all three of those guys are free agents. Uh, Green, Palmieri, and Zajac. That, you know, 2012 Devils reunion continues on Long Island, and Zachary's dad played for the Islanders as well. So that feels like an easy one, although I'm not terribly, like, I'm not, like, so high on bringing in a guy, and he wouldn't be getting paid a lot, of course. But um, I'm not terribly confident in that. But the one that I'm interested in is Ryan Suter to Colorado, which I've seen a little bit of because they're probably going to lose Ryan Graves uh, in expansion. That's, that's kind of the prediction because they're only able to protect – McCar, Gerard, and Taze. Uh, so they'll lose a guy uh, like Ryan Graves and maybe adding a Ryan Suter, who's been around the block uh, to that defensive core would be interesting. But, um, Mike, what are your kind of predictions for these two as they look to uh, both get their first Stanley Cup championship?
1: Yeah, I, I really didn't think about the Islanders for some reason. For some reason at first, I guess I didn't put the, the connection – from playing in New Jersey together, but that would be a, honestly a good landing spot. Do I want it to happen? No. Um, no, I, I don't at all. That that would kind of stink, but I could see that happening. I mean, they have all the pieces already that they need, and he could really just be I'm not gonna say that that last piece of the puzzle for the islanders because I, I don't think he can be that, but someone who can who can significantly help them out has chemistry with the team already or with some players in the team and, and can, in my opinion, do nothing but. Help the islanders win and succeed further but i'm trying to think what what an other team he would go to but after you said the islanders i'm kind of i'm kind of stuck on them right now and, and I, I like that connection i like what they have and i really like what what he would be able to provide for them as well
0: yeah i think both these guys would be great signings i mean their main the main hit against them the last few years was that they're overpaid, which was true, but now that is no longer an issue. So I think Parise, but especially with Suter, I think someone could put Suter in their top four as a second-parent guy, and he would absolutely fit in. I mean, he's a pretty well-rounded defenseman. The the knock on him, you know, he doesn't, like, affect the stat sheet as much, but he just goes out there, and you know what you're getting from him every night. So I like the Colorado. I saw maybe the Flyers because they – We don't know what they're doing with their defense, but I think a lot of teams can look at these two guys and think, okay, if we can bring one of them in, that could get us to that next level, whether it be becoming a playoff team or maybe jumping from like a mid-level playoff team to a contender. So I think there's definitely not going to be a shortage of suitors for either
2: of them. Suitors. Nice pun. Um, (laughs) uh, Edmonton would be really nice if they hadn't just uh, overpaid for another aging defenseman, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, First, we're going to hit the end of the Stanley Cup final. Tyler and I spoke last week kind of like it was over, and it was. Um, game five was that night, and it ended uh, in five games, just like the Tampa Bay Area wanted. wanted. Um, as much as I was hoping and praying for the chaos that would ensue if she had jinxed the crap out of them, um, it didn't happen. And the Tampa Bay Lightning won their second consecutive Stanley Cup. Uh, the only remote competition that they the Stanley Cup final brought along was Kucherov versus Vasilevsky for the Conn Smythe. Vasilevsky takes it. That's who I would have picked, but Kucherov had a historic playoff. Uh, there's no way about it. Um, Vasilevsky was fantastic, but Kucherov led the league in playoff scoring by a mile, and the next guy was his own linemate. So I definitely see the argument for um, Kucherov, but my pick would have been Vasilevsky. And honestly, Braden point would have been up there for me too, just because of that goal streak.
1: Yeah. I have. Andre Vasilevsky far and beyond the consummate trophy winner. I mean, he, the, what, what he did this playoffs was just fantastic. If fantastic 16 and seven in, in the playoffs, um, 699 saves, I uh, 655 saves, sorry, 699 shot against. So, What what he was able to do is amazing, and I I really think that without him they wouldn't really be in the spot they are last year or this year, and great point too with his goal streaks specifically that he has he had a shot at that as well. I know a lot of writers were predicting him and Kucherov to win over Vasilevsky, but I I think they made the right choice with Vasilevsky. I mean, how can you go against him? He what what he did was just great.
0: Yeah, I think they made the right choice as well. I mean he had a shutout in, what was it, four? He had a shutout in all four clinching games of this playoff. He also had a shutout in the Stanley Cup final to win it last year, although that doesn't factor in the cons might, But just that stretch in of itself, I mean, that is legendary level play. That's like the stuff you look back on 20, 30 years from now, and you were like, this guy just decided that the Lightning were going to win these games. I mean, he he single-handedly went out there. Not to say he won the game for them, but he was like, I'm going to do my thing. If you guys get me one goal, we're going to win. It's as simple as that. So I think, especially considering, I mean, he was fantastic the entire playoffs and the entire season, really. But the fact that he was able to get shutouts in the closing game of each series, I think that, that cemented it, at least for me.
2: And the classic, just absolute classic NHL. Look at how many injuries were on the Stanley Cup final team. Uh played through a torn meniscus, suffered March 30th. We kind of figured that this guy was hurt. Uh, he had a really rough end of the season and he was not like he was when he won the conference last year, for sure. In the playoffs, he had surgery today and should be recovered for the season. Ryan McDonough and Barkley Goodrow both played through broken hands and Nikita Kucherov. This is an interesting one because we saw this happen in those injuries. We didn't, we can't put a play on it, but in game six against the Islanders, if you remember, Nikita Kucherov played all of 30 seconds uh, because of a hit by Scott Mayfield. It was a non-displaced rib fracture. That he sustained he doesn't come back in game six but he plays the final six games of the playoffs winning the Stanley Cup and um, with that rib fracture so he'll I w- I almost just said he'll be ready for next season but I guess we can't make that guarantee can we after what we saw this year um no I kid and he had he had quite the press conference last week didn't he um, uh, I love it I love it. Okay. Okay. Go. I want to hear this because I'm really conflicted. You have to sell me. I'm so like, I honestly don't really have that much of a selling point. I just love it because
1: it's, they're showing emotions. And I love when players of all sports show their emotion at the press conference instead of just saying kind of what everyone wants them to hear and what's kind of right. And and let him sit there with no shirt on, drinking a beer. Let him do whatever the hell he wants. It's, it it let him, like what he's saying is his opinions. Um, He thinks that. They were celebrating after after their one win, after the game four win. And they were kind of celebrating a lot. So like like they kind of won the Stanley Cup after that game. So I don't know. I love that he's expressing his emotion, his opinion, and not really caring what anybody else says or, or writing about him for saying what he thinks. So so I love it, man. Uh and, and I hope that more players, not just in Stanley Cup final wins or game clinching games or anything like that, just in general start speaking their mind and like actually. Showing their emotion because it, it puts more entertainment to the NHL as well. Like people are going to start want to watch the game of hockey more if they see the players are are really speaking out on, on just like what they what they believe and what they think and, and their emotion. So I love it. I don't know what you guys think, but the, but I, I'm all for that and want to see it more.
0: Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, he was definitely a few deep during the time, yeah, which probably played a factor. In... <laughs> played a factor into it, but yeah, I I thought it was funny. I mean. Listen, the guy just won back-to-back Cups. He doesn't care what anybody thinks about him whatsoever. He's at the top of the world right now. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the entire celebration that that goes on. The last few years, we've seen these teams go on these crazy celebrations. I think it's the funniest thing ever. And uh, it was tough seeing the Cup take the damage that it did during the parade. But, you know, these guys – Granted, Tampa just won it back to back. I was about to say this is only a once in a lifetime thing, but these guys just won it, so but I, I love it.
2: <laughs> they did the same thing eight months ago. Yeah, I wonder if um you know the hockey gods will put some sort of hex on them for denting the crap out of the Stanley Cup. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. It's on Twitter everywhere. Um, they there's a picture of them trying to like sneak it into a building to give it to the keeper of the cup so nobody sees it. You can just see the cup is a completely different. The top of it is a completely different shape than it usually is. Um, I, I agree with everything you said, Mike, that we need more motion from hockey players and just more than pucks in deep and whatever. I, I did think that the flurry thing was a little bit over the line, but like, what, who am I really to say? I mean, deep beat the snot out of my team in game seven. So I mean, what, like I can't say anything about it. So it's um, it was funny at the end of the day. And he was wearing the shirt at the parade that said 18 million over, um, which was pretty funny too. And, I mean, good for them. They, they won the cup. And that's what all of us hope to um, be at that parade one day for our teams. And um, so I can't, I can't really hate on them, but you're right, Tyler, the last four years we have had un like news making Stanley cup parades, right. Starting with Washington, which was out of this world ridiculous and we kind of knew it was going to be because it was Obi's first cup and he's a psychopath to begin with. And, That was a wild scene. Then St. Louis had like a gazillion people at theirs. And now the past two years with the boat parades, um, past two years with three different boat parades, if you include the Buccaneers, um, which made some news for Tom Brady treating the Vince Lombardi Trophy like a football, if you remember, back in February. Um, Certainly some interesting parades the last four years um, with that Stanley Cup. Uh, So across the Tampa Bay Lightning, as they look to uh, pull off some cap Olympics here, Uh, in the next couple of weeks, to not have everybody screaming at them for being over the cap, but maybe they will, and they'll run a third straight, and we'll all just have to shut up once again. Um, We'll have to see. It's possible. It is certainly possible that they just pay everybody even more money, and just figure it out, too. Uh, Who knows? So uh, We'll move on to the off-season. Again, we've had a lot of off-season discussion uh, as I get an NHL notification. Dominic Ducharme remains in Montreal, Uh, so there's the it was like about breaking news. Um, not really. Dominic Ducharme signed a three-year contract in Montreal. We kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, off-season news started yesterday with Duncan Keith, the first big name to move. Uh, this was a insane, ridiculous, stupid trade, in my opinion. Um, I saw somebody grade the trade and give the Oilers a D plus, and I immediately X out of the article because they're being too kind to the Oilers. The Oilers were bidding against themselves for a guy who isn't good and they overpaid for him. Uh, Chicago retains no salary. They do give up an AHL player who is one of the lowest guys on Chicago's totem pole. Basically has no chance of becoming a, you know, star of any caliber in the NHL Um, alongside Duncan Keith for Caleb Jones, who's Seth Jones's brother on Edmonton, kind of a, uh, low value selling low situation. He could be good. I don't think he's ever going to be as good as his brother, be perfectly honest, but he could be pretty good. And a conditional third that can turn into a second. if like the Oilers make the Stanley cup or something like that. So that's probably not going to happen. So a third round pick picking Caleb Jones for Duncan Keith and an AHL player, no retained salary for Chicago. I, this is complete highway robbery for Chicago and Ken Holland deserves all the hate he's been getting for the last 36 hours. Um, regarding this trade,
0: Tyler? Yeah, the only way that this trade would have been worse for Edmonton was if I think they would have traded Ethan Bear, which looked like there was a possibility that that was going to happen. So good for them. They didn't give up that much. But, yeah, you named it. They were pretty much bidding against themselves. Duncan Keith specified that he wanted to go to, like, a Western Canadian team. And the Oilers were really the only team that were in the position to trade for him. And, yeah, he's just – I mean, he's not the player that he once was plain and simple. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of a offensive resurgence that seems to happen when players go and play with Connor McDavid. But the real issue with Duncan Keith is his defense or lack thereof. He just isn't good defensively anymore. He's not even, I wouldn't even say he's bad defensively. He's like one of the worst defensive defensemen in the NHL at this point. He just bleeds chances on in his own end. So I don't really get, this trade for the Oilers at all. And it looks even worse when you see that a player like Ryan Souter gets bought out the very next day, which obviously they didn't know that was going to happen, but that just adds insult to injury right but there. But the right? yes. it's the
2: opportunity, right? It's the opportunity that Suter is going to get bought out. It's the opportunity that the Islanders are going to trade Nick Luddy. It's how about a team in the Pacific Northwest is in the expansion draft. Just ask them, Hey, if you waive your no move, we can make a deal with them where they take you and you go to Seattle And that's it. It doesn't make any sense to do this before the expansion draft where you don't even give Seattle a chance. They're not going to trade with you. They don't have anybody. They have one guy right now and a bunch of draft picks when they don't have anybody, they're not going to make a deal with you. At least get yourself a second option. It doesn't make any sense to me why you did this yesterday.
0: Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, Chicago. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's a good deal for Chicago in a sense. I will say, man, I said it last episode. Seth Jones to Chicago I'm liking this bringing his brother in I think that I honestly think that was maybe not not a big reason they brought in Caleb Jones but that absolutely played a role if they're if they're going for Seth Jones why not bring his brother in to try and entice him to want to come here but they get a third rounder yeah you said it second rounder I think I think it was they make they win three rounds and Keith is like top four in ice time so there's very low chance that that's going to happen but I guess you never know but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like this trade for Edmonton at all.
1: I was seeing that that Keith wanted to move closer to his son, so so that was kind of the only team that that was available for him. I guess I'm not, I'm not too sure of the geography of Canada, honestly. But um, Prince uh, Penticton, British Columbia, I guess, is where his son lives, or, or something like that. Chris Johnson said so. J- just, I don't mind that that they let him go to a team that he kind of wanted to he's 37 back end of his career um you guys already both said it. he's not good um he, he's not he, he has the three stanley cups which is obviously appealing and gonna go down in, in the hall of fame obviously for the nhl but it's it, it just a stupid trade it it makes no sense to for edmonton to even want him i mean he had 15 points all season um he's not good point blank. I I don't know what else to say about it. I don't know why this trade, like you guys said, was done yesterday. They could have waited till today or or even a couple more days, but it it makes no sense. But that, that, that set Jones to Chicago could be a thing Tyler. If we just
2: wait here a little longer, it could, it could come to fruition. I'll tell you that. It certainly could. And uh, yes, of course, Duncan Keith specifically requested a trade to a team in the Pacific Northwest that leaves you, with four teams, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. Calgary and Vancouver never really seemed to express interest. Only Edmonton ever did. And it's just really that they didn't give Seattle a chance. It's, you know, I'm not saying that Seattle would have wanted them. I don't have any information. I don't have any sources on that. But at least let them get a chance. And then you trade them to Edmonton in a week and a half. I mean, like what – it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I really hated this trade for Edmonton because there are going to be guys who are going to be available in that veteran defensive role and that are frankly better and cheaper than Duncan Keith. And it's really the no salary retained. That is, you know, very interesting to me. It's a five, it's a over $5 million contract that, five and a half, I think it is that they're not paying the entire thing for the next two years in a flat cap environment. He's now their second highest paid defenseman and he's not good. So I understand that it's a trade for personal reasons. And I completely respect that, that he wanted to get to a specific area of the country where we only have four NHL teams, three and then there'll be four starting next week. Um, but I think you got to give Seattle a chance that that, that's my one gripe with Chicago in this, in this situation, I guess that's I, that's my one gripe with Edmonton, I guess is to get another bidder in there. It just, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and that news was quickly dumped away for some – or I guess it was the other way around. This news came in first and was quickly dumped away for Duncan Keith. And that is the hiring of P.M. McGuire, not on television, but in a front office role, a scouting role for the Ottawa Senators. Um, if it was going to be any role, it was going to be in scouting. If it was going to be any team, it was probably going to be Ottawa, either Ottawa or Pittsburgh. Ottawa or Pittsburgh? Excuse me, but I cannot process why a real life NHL team hired this guy, Mike. I, I just can't. I can't figure it out. I really can't.
1: I don't know. I, I I he clearly didn't do do too well as an assistant coach anywhere he was, or even the head coach of the Whalers. He he did awful in. But oh, and, and he also got a lot of a lot of hate from doing. Behind the glass, I'm not sure Chris, are you a fan of him when, when as an analyst or no? obviously No, I think not. he's
2: the worst analyst in American sports
1: yeah, I, I think we've talked about that before, and I agree he's not good, but I mean, I don't have an issue with, it, with with him getting hired to do to be in scout in player development at all. I mean, why not give him a chance? Um, he could be much better at this than, than he was as an analyst, and, and I'm sure he will because he was in my opinion, very bad as an analyst as well, but I don't mind it. Um, give him a chance. I'd say. I say um, I don't have heavy opinions on it because I couldn't do what he was doing, so he could do it better than I can, but give him a chance. And who knows? Maybe he'll do well for the senators right now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun if we're going to get some good stories out of Ottawa. seems like that front office has is- struggled to get out of their own way in the last few years. They did better this year. There weren't really that many stories out of there, but adding Pierre Maguire to the mix certainly will make it interesting. He does have, you know, you heard him talking about it all the time when he was inside oh, the yeah. glass, but he does know a lot of people in the scouting world. So I guess that is a positive. And I'm sure you 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 said it, Mike, he did struggle in his previous NHL head coaching endeavors, but that was – what 25 years ago at this point. So I'm hoping I would hope that he has learned something since then. And yeah, I mean, I'm also with you, Chris, I don't have that many strong feelings for it. I I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'll just leave it at that.
2: I'm afraid of his media availabilities. Apparently that's going to be a part of his job is to be speaking to the media. And when he speaks, he doesn't say anything. I I don't, this is my real gripe is, First off, his voice drives me insane, but that could be a personal thing. When he speaks, he doesn't actually say anything. So I'm, inter- I'm interested to see if that changes now. Because, I don't know, let's just think of an example. I don't know. Let's say he was talking about Brock Nelson. I don't know. You go, oh, Brock, oh, Doc and Eddie, Brock Nelson played for, at North Dakota with TJ Oshie. And they just stop. Like, okay, well, I could <laughs> look that up on Hockey Reference in like four seconds that Brock Nelson went to North Dakota, or I just know that Brock Nelson went to North Dakota and played with TJ Oshie. I don't have to hear that from, that doesn't do anything. Was he any good? Like, why is that relevant to the goal he just scored in the playoffs? It, he never says anything. He just regurgitates garbage about junior hockey and college hockey. And it drives me insane. And I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he does well. I'm skeptical because this guy hates analytics he hates analytics more than anybody on the face of the planet he just went on a ninety thousand minute rant on tsn radio like six weeks ago about it how the first two teams eliminated for the playoffs are the two teams who embrace analytics and it's like just because the oilers embrace analytics doesn't mean that their goaltending doesn't suck like i don't know like their goaltending was terrible and connor hellebuck's really good and that's why they lost and he went on this whole rant in his intro about like how he he's not anti analytics when he pretty much said he was like a month ago, but he's not anti analytics, but he's all for boots on the ground and you have to watch the guys. And it's like, I don't know if he is looking at like the wrong representation of the analytics community community, but I don't think anybody is saying, Oh, just look at expected goals and that'll tell you who's good. Like, I don't think that that's what anybody's saying. I think what people are saying are, these are new stats we can use to improve our, our evaluations of players that we watch that's exactly the the important part. So Pierre is like, Oh, I don't want to just look at stats. I want to watch players. Like nobody's just looking at stats. And if you think they are, you are far out of the way in terms of what people hire. And this is my issue. We talked about this with Andre Turgne last week. I like, and I think a lot of people like when people hire, when teams hire new people in front office roles, in coaching roles, in GM roles, anything, I think that that's, you know, taking front in a lot of different sports as well. You talk about Becky Hammond being assistant coach for the Spurs and she might get a head coaching job. I think they're out of coaching opportunities now, but certainly the next time around, she's going to be a front runner for a head coaching job again. And, And there's other play, there's other people that can do this who aren't complete and utter clowns and have told the American public for the last how many freaking years that they are, that they don't know anything. And it drives me insane that this guy got a job because it is very, very, very clear that they are grooming him to be the general manager because he didn't say it, but he pretty much said it. And Pierre Dorian's on the last year of his contract. And if this guy is the GM for the uh, Ottawa Senators next year, I'm going to lose my mind. That, that's my rant on Pierre Maguire. That, that dude, was a good rant. That dude's a freaking clown. And I cannot wait for this to <laughs> blow up in their face because they deserve it go read the Hartford current article about PM McGuire and Pat Verbeek. That's, that's all I got to say. And if you don't come out of that thinking that Pat Verbeek would run him over with an 18 wheeler, given the opportunity, um, then I think you're looking at the wrong article and you should pick a new one because it, it basically credits him with the downfall of the Hartford Whalers in the mid nineties. It's essentially what the article does. And if that's true or not, I don't know. I wasn't alive. I wasn't there. Um, but it's, it's definitely, um, Definitely a very interesting article from his head coaching is obviously a head coach. It's a different position, but um, I don't know how you could listen to that guy talk on television and think he knows anything about pretty much anything. Um, but that's it on my Peter McGuire rant. Uh, the last thing we wanted to get to was Pecker who retired. This is not terribly surprising. He was a free agent. Uh, UC Saros with the come up coming up season this year. He was fantastic. And uh, Pecorino retires as the winningest goalie in Predator's history. Of course, he's like one of the only goalies in Predator's history, but the winningest goalie in Predator's history and a a fantastic career that I'm not totally sure is going to land him in the Hall of Fame, um, but a great career nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it took um, him, excuse me, I have a cough, took him to the finals in 2017, um, just an all-around backbone of the Predators really since well I think it was 2005 when he first came in the league um, 683 careers game, 683 game career all with the Predators I mean it's it just awesome to see someone stick out their entire career in any sport nonetheless with, with one team and kind of just have that like like um, history with, with one team and um, just really get to know everybody from the front office down to the coaches down to the players year after year after year, even with all the changing new players, new, new coaches coming in. So I love to see that. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if, I don't know if what he has on his resume is enough to land him in the hall of fame, but there's certainly an argument. uh, And I'm sure over the next few weeks or or months that we're going to see articles written is Pecorino hall of famer. Is he not? This is why. And, And I'm excited to read them. I'm excited to see people's opinions on them. Um, But yeah, it it wasn't surprising to see this free agent, and and, I mean, he's been he's been in the league a while. I feel like as a goalie playing 15 years now, I I feel like 16 years um, that that sometimes it's just time to to hang him up, and this could have been his time. Clearly, clearly it was according to him. But but hats off to him for the amazing uh, career with the Predators.
0: Yeah, you said it all. It'll be close to see if he gets in the Hall of Fame. He did get that Vesna trophy in twenty seventeen, I believe it was. So it'll it'll be an interesting debate. I honestly I if I had to pick, I think they I think he gets in. I think the fact that he was like the first like star or face of the predators and like he led them through through their first years, I think that'll get him like some sympathy with the voters and he'll get in. But another one of these goalies, man, who over the last few years we've seen, you know, Lundqvist, Price, and Rene, they, they've come close to winning the Cup, but they have not been able to get it. And it is sad because, you know, I just mentioned Lundqvist. He's obviously, we don't know if we'll ever see him play again. Rene's retiring, you know, Price, Quick, all these guys that we grew up with, these star goalies, they're starting to leave the game. And if they are still in the game, they're definitely starting to head on a downward path. So it is sad to see, but he had an incredible career with Nashville. He He was, you know, up until... They made the Stanley Cup final that year. They were still making the playoffs, but they weren't, you know, an amazing team. And he was the big reason why they were making the playoffs. So hats off to him. An absolutely amazing
2: career. Four-time All-Star, Vesna Trophy winner in 2018. Goes to the Stanley Cup final in 2017. Um, and, yeah, a fantastic career. in uh, 369 wins in 683 games. Uh, ranks him pretty high and I think the highest finished goalie ever so he's like the greatest goalie in the history of his country which is not uh, a, a small task at all uh, so congrats to him and UC Saros now the future in Nashville in net, although we already kind of knew that but officially the future in Nashville in net that is going to do it for us this week we have the expansion draft lists coming out on Sunday the 18th and then the expansion draft will be next week the entry draft at the end of next week so we got a lot to get to uh next time we meet so until then for mike messina and Tyler mooney i'm chris Hennessy. talk soon